It's Holy Week. It's a time to pause and reflect. Now, if you are serving in some type of ministry, undoubtedly you've been you've been running around like crazy trying to get everything ready to go. But I just want to invite you for a moment to stop and reflect. You know, our purpose as an organization is to renew the church in the West. And really specifically, when we drill down to it, we want to help engage believers like yourself to rethink, reimagine, and redeploy in your pursuit of Christ's mission for all of life. But sometimes we have to not just keep doing. We need to stop and feed our souls and reflect what God has done for us. In May, we have an episode that we're really excited to share with you. It's actually with Malcolm Geit, the poet. We've already recorded the episode and we're in the editing process. But as I was getting to know Malcolm, I decided to purchase one of his books. The Word in the Wilderness, a poem a day for Lent and Easter. And I wanted to share one of the readings that he had for this week, because I think it is so important for us right now. He entitled this, Jesus Weeps. And the reason that I want to read this to you is because I think that you need renewal. You need refreshment. You need to go to the one who made you. And you need to let him speak to you and also be reminded what it is that he has done for you. But he entitled this Jesus Weeps. And he starts this little devotional, if you will, off with a poem. And he says, Jesus comes near and he beholds the city and looks on us with tears in his eyes. And wells of mercy, streams of love and pity flow from the fountain whence all things arise. He loved us into life and longs to gather and meet with his beloved face to face. How often has he called a careful mother and wept for our refusals of his grace. Wept for a world that, weary with its weeping, benumbed and stumbling, turns the other way. Fatigued compassion is already sleeping, whilst her worst nightmares stalk the light of day. But we might waken yet and face those fears if we could see ourselves through Jesus's tears. He goes on to say, today's sonnet is a meditation on a single verse, and it's actually from Luke chapter 19, verse 41. He says, as he came near and saw the city, he wept over it. And this is what I, I really love what he says. It's hard to see through tears. We all know this. But sometimes it's the only way to see. Tears can be the turning point, the springs of renewal. To know you have been wept for is to know that you are loved. I have a God who knows what it is to weep and who weeps for me, weeps with me, understands to the depths and from the inside of the tears of things. He then goes on to say, so the first eight lines of this sonnet contemplates the tears of Christ, his infinite compassion. I love that. Infinite compassion. But actually, he says, when the turn comes in this sonnet, it actually happens in, in line nine. When he says, weeping, 
He talks about the sources and limits of our own compassion. He says, wept for a world that weary with its weeping. And what he's saying there is that the sources and limits of our own compassion, that we're worn out. There's only so many tears that we can cry. Have you ever come to that moment in time where there's really no more tears left? He goes on to say, and here I confront the extraordinary and telling modern phrase, compassion fatigue. He says, our capacity for compassion, and it really, it literally means to come alongside those who are in pasio or the, in suffering of others. It's actually God-given and part of his image in us. It is natural and right when we feel compassion that we should have the desire to act, to do something, to respond to and alleviate the suffering we witness. It seems like every time I turn around, there's new outrage, there's a new tragedy, there's a new issue. And eventually, you've got nothing left. And he actually addresses something that I find to be very fascinating. He said, we should have a desire to act, to do something to respond to and alleviate the suffering we witness. And indeed, for most of human history, most human beings experiencing compassion would have had the chance to do something immediate and particular about it because any suffering they witnessed would be local to them. What he's saying, if you, if you don't grab it, is that if you saw suffering, it means you were in the vicinity of it. You saw it firsthand. They didn't have televisions and radio and things like that. So if you saw it, you were moved to act. That's what he means there. Then he says they could at least begin to engage in the great works of mercy of which Jesus speaks to us about in Matthew, where he calls us to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick. But because of our modern world, in this instant news exchange, our generation has the daily experience of exposure to suffering on a large scale that is at once vivid and distant. We see the hungry, the naked, and the ill every evening on our television or our computer screens. But we cannot immediately or directly contact the person whose tears we are seeing, whose tears may have provoked us, who may have provoked our own. What to do? And he says, of course, you can give to certain charities, certain non-governmental organizations. And he goes, and we know intellectually that we're actually making a difference for those people, however small, but still we are actually haunted by the particular face, the one whose actual need we saw, whose desperate need we couldn't meet. The danger then is that the natural link between compassion and action is severed. Compassion freewheels in its own frustration and actually burns out because it has no place to go. It has no place to do anything. We can't deal with it anymore. And so the world, weary with its weeping, benumbed and stumbling, turns the other way. That's the line from the poem. Then, if we're not careful, compassion fatigue becomes a long sleep or even the death of our capacity for fellow feeling. He then quotes this line, fatigued compassion is already sleeping whilst her worst nightmares stalk the light of day. Then he goes on to question this and says, what can we do? You know, as we're talking about this Holy Week and we are reminded of the suffering of our Lord, we also look at the suffering of the world that he came to alleviate. I mean, he came to save the lost. He came to save those who were, were hurting who are imprisoned, who are in cycles of abuse, who were in cycles of addiction, were sick, were beaten down and bruised. And that's what he calls us to do. And too often, we are so self-centered and narcissistic that we think it's always about us. 
and we fail to feel for other people. And eventually, as he mentions in this poem, we burn out. We get compassion fatigue. We have nothing for anyone else. And I know who you are. You're a person who cares about the things of God, who wants to make his name known all over the world. You want to see lives transformed. You want to see people come face to face with the living God. The God is revealed within the word. The God who made us and who fashioned us, the God who, who sent Jesus to redeem us, Jesus who is God. I mean, we're talking about the triune God and that Jesus has this infinite compassion. He doesn't ever tire of us. He doesn't tire of, of our hurts and our pains. But we do, we tire very quickly. And this is where a guide, I think is just a wonderful guide. He says, Jesus comes close to us, and this is where we particularly need to come close to him. For his compassion, unlike ours, is infinite. Ours can be renewed in his. Our compassion, not just for the world, but for ourselves. So while we are self-centered, sometimes we need to have a biblical love of self. Now that might seem strange, but if you've listened to this program for any period of time, you know that the first and greatest commandment is this to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's already implied that you do love yourself. And again, in our world today, that seems very controversial to those in the church. But to those in the world, they say, no, of course we're supposed to love ourselves. I think there is a biblical love of self that we should have. And there is an unbiblical love of self that we should not engage But here, we need to have our compassion renewed, even for ourselves, because we condemn ourselves all the time. That voice in our mind that says, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be smart enough. You're not loved enough. God doesn't even love you. God doesn't care for you. Have you ever had that? And God feels that he's not there. And all you hear is this voice of condemnation in your mind. But he is there. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Guide goes on and says, We need first to receive and feel his healing compassion for us in our very state of compassion fatigue. He wants to talk to you and give you strength right now where you're at in your fatigue. And in so doing, the healing springs can rise again and our own capacity for compassion will be renewed. That's what we want to see. We want to see you renewed. We can't see the church renewed until we see the people of God renewed. Until we see you renewed. And I hope and pray that's what God does for you during this Passion Week, that you take the time to pull away, to let God speak to you, that you might see him all over again and comprehend the width and depth of his amazing love. At Apollos Watered, we like to talk a lot about renewing the church and about helping people to rethink and reimagine and redeploy in their pursuit of Christ's mission. But we also know that these great big things that we talk about are wonderful and they're great and need to be talked about. But at the end of the day, we need to come before Jesus and answer the question that he asks us, who do you say I am? And if you believe that he's the Lord of glory, and I believe that you do, then you should go to him right now and ask him to renew you, to cause you 
to be compassionate once again. Not that you're pulling yourself up by your proverbial bootstraps, but that you're going to him and you're receiving his compassion, which is infinite. And that you might show that compassion to others, that they might too know Jesus and make him known. I didn't want this to be very long today. I just wanted it to be a word of encouragement for you during this holy week. We'll be back on Friday to to contemplate the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I do want to thank all of our team for helping us make this dream a reality so that we can help water the world for Jesus. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollo Swatered. Stay watered, everybody. Come on.